And I think we can all look at our lives. We can all recognize that we need hope. Because we all go through difficult and hard situations. And then if we don't have Jesus, there's a big hole left and there's not a lot of hope. So the series that we've been in, it's, it's all in hope. Because when we love Jesus, when we build that relationship with Jesus, when we accept Jesus, we can have hope in any and all circumstance. So yes, we are all in on the hope of Jesus. But before we get into the message, I just want to give a shout out to the women's breakfast yesterday. So... I know that there was, a, there was a great turnout. I just want to thank Carmel and the team that really put this together to plan the lesson, to, to teach it, to get all the women here in, in the building. And when I walked in, I was just astounded to see so many faces here, faces I didn't know, faces I did know. And the idea of having your, our identity in Christ, it doesn't just apply to the women, but I'm grateful that you taught that and the uniqueness of each of us. And I love the little fingerprint thing that you guys did, just showing the uniqueness down to the point of all of our fingerprints are different. That God took the time to uniquely design each and every one of us, outwardly and inwardly. So thank you for that. I'm, I'm excited about these women's Bible studies that are coming up here. Uh, one starting tonight, one starting here in two weeks. And then we also have the, the study that's going to be starting after church next week with, our, with the Holy Spirit. So there's a lot moving and a lot shaking in this church. And I'm excited to see how God is going to be using these things to shape the future of Crossroads. But... As, a, as I was growing up, I was a gamer. I know probably you guys don't believe that, but I used to, to love playing video games. I still do. Not quite as much as I did when I, was, when I was younger, but my favorite was Mega Man. Anybody ever play Mega Man games? Anybody ever heard of Mega Man games? Okay, I'm the only one apparently here in the room. But anyway, I'm going back to like classic Nintendo at this point. Oh, I got one. All right. Thank you, David. Appreciate you. I'm not alone. But the thing with Mega Man is, still today, one of the villains in the first Mega Man game is still considered one of the hardest villains to beat in any video game all time. And I remember that, you know, some levels that you go through, you can easily defeat them. It's not very hard. You just kind of breeze through it. But then you hit those levels or those stages, you just can't get through it. You try, you try you try, and you fail, and you fail. It's a lot like life, <laughs> wouldn't you guys say? That there are stages in life that we go through that we can simply get through, and it's good, everything's wonderful, life is easy, but then we get to those stages where it's just difficult, and it beats you down, and you just can't get through it. So today's message is called Hope in the Hills and Valleys. 
And, you know, Tyler was talking about the, the whole thing. We, we've gone through several weeks of, of the Exodus and, and Moses taking a very grumbling and very angry kind of nation from out of Egypt into uh, the desert. And they just grumble and they complain and they're discontent. And no matter how much God does incredible things in their lives, they still want more. But yet God still continue to provide, still continue to, to take care. And then last week, he talked about uh, Elisha and, and the fact of the, the, how he was kind of like a mole in, in the enemy's camp because God was speaking to him all of the private things that were going on in, in his home, and Elijah kept passing this on to the Israelite army so that way he knew everything that was going on and they were ready for the battles. So they're like, okay, I got to take this guy out because he's given all our secrets away. I can't stand this guy, so let's surround him. And Elijah's just in his house, and you know he's praying for his servant there that, that's with him. God, I just pray that you open his eyes, give him spiritual eyes to see. And, and at that moment, he was able to look around and be able to see God's army surrounding the army that surrounded them. And much like that, in our lives, when we have situations and we feel surrounded by the enemy, we can know when we have spiritual eyes, when we can look into it and see what God is doing, that God has those problems, God has those circumstances, God has that enemy surrounded. And he's already prepared a victory for you. And one of the points that, that Tyler hit on last week is that, you know, sometimes God puts bad leaders, sometimes God put, puts good leaders in place. But yet, no matter if it's a good leader or a bad leader in place, that God is still going to move his people forward. God is still going to allow his plan to unfold and to, and to, to move and to shape what he wants it to become. So this morning, we're going to be talking about one of those really, really bad kings. How many of you have ever heard of Ahab? So Ahab was like the bad of the bad. He did nothing good that was in the sight of the Lord. He just did everything wrong. There was altars everywhere. His wife was a nightmare. There was all kinds of stuff that was going on in the kingdom, and he was just a bad dude. But the funny thing is, despite them having this horrible king, this guy that really didn't care about anybody but himself, or his wife, and he cared about his wife, God still moved his people forward despite having a leader that was such a terror. So we are going to be uh, getting into this story. We're going to start in 1 Kings chapter 20. We're only going to spend a little time here but this is going to set the stage as, as Ahab is, is this king. And the king of Syria, which Tyler also talked about last week, they were this nation. They were kind of like the superpower. They were the ones that were trying to like, destroy the, the nations around and, and start to rule over them. And they're coming to, to, to Israel at this point in time. And they're like, Ahab, what we want you to do is we want you to give us your best wives, your best kids, all of your, all the things that anybody in their house that they value, you need to give that to us or we're going to come and we're going to wipe you out. 
So Ahab is terrified. I think most of us in that, in that place will be scared as to what is going to happen if this king that was this superpower was like, I'm going to come and destroy your house if you don't give me everything that you value. But in the midst of this, uh, one of the prophets came in and they talked to Ahab and they're like, you know, you got this. You got this. So they have this battle, and Ahab is triumphant. I found this really interesting that despite the fact of how awful Ahab was, how much he was away from God, that God would still show him favor in the midst of this battle and bring him victory. So we're going to pick up here right after the first battle that they had uh, against Syria. 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 23. And the servants of the king of Syria said to him, Their gods are gods of the hills, and so they, were no, so, so they were stronger than we. But let us fight against them in the plain, and surely we shall be stronger than they. So the king of Syria is saying, Hey, their god that they have, he's only the god of the, of the mountains. He's only the gods of the high place. So that's why they had victory against us. That's why they had victory, because their God is there. And, and, you know, we can look back at the many nations and see all of the different gods that they had and how there was a God of the sun, there was a God of the moon, there was a God of this, there was a God of that. There gods for everything. So in this scenario, they're talking about just the idea, hey, their God is only there. But a few verses down, this is, this is the response from the prophet, and says in, in uh, verse 28, And a man of God came near and said to the king of Israel, he's talking about to Ahab, Thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is a God of the hills, but he is not a God of the valleys. Therefore, I will give all this uh, great multitude into your hands, and you shall know that I am the Lord. As I was reading through this, the story, and just the idea that it's so crazy to think that the God that we serve is only a God of the hills, only a God of the mountains, but he is not the God of the valleys. Those that do not have a relationship with God can say, where is your God in the midst of our troubles? Have you ever had somebody in your life that when you're going through something really hard and they know that you're a Christian, they're like, where's your God now? Where's your God when all this is happening in your life and it just begins to kind of eat away and tear at us? This is kind of the, the idea of what the Syrians are saying. Hey, they're gods up here so they can win there, but they cannot win in the midst of the valleys. We can take them there. And a lot of the times in our lives, we can feel the same, that God's with us when things are good. That God is there in the middle of, of all of the celebrations that we have, all the good things, all the blessings. When we see our prayers getting answered, God is there. But then in the middle of the valleys, when things are not going well, when things are bad, when you begin to, to see things just kind of falling apart, you're just like, man... God, where are you? 
And the world in those moments will continue to try to beat us down. Those that uh, don't have a relationship with Jesus will, will, will challenge us and say, your God is not with you right now. Your God has left you. And in that, people in the world, there's a lack of hope in those that do not have a relationship with Jesus. There's a lack of hope in those that can look into this world and not see anything in front of them, not recognize that there is a God that loves them and cares for them and wants to bring them through the valleys. And honestly, when we begin to, to hear those things in the middle of, of our valleys, in the middle of our struggles, that we can start to believe that too, that God is not with us, that God has left us. And it's funny because in life, the, the ways that the hills and the valleys can work, the way that when everything's great or when everything's bad, it can change like this. And I know some of you guys have been following us this, this past week. And, you know, last weekend, it was, it was definitely a, a hilltop for us in that we got to celebrate Tasha's birthday and we just had such a great weekend, just so much fun, a really good family time, and just really enjoying friends, enjoying each other, and maybe getting off our diet a little bit, and, and that kind of fun stuff, and, and just really just celebrating her life. And then on top of that, on her actual birthday, the Eagles made it to the Super Bowl. Man. I was having a good week. Things were flying high like the eagles, right? <laughs> hey, they still made it to the Super Bowl, whoever's booing over there. <clears throat> anyway, we can talk about that next week. But anyway, it's funny how on Sunday and even Monday, I was just excited. I came in on, on Monday. I was wearing all my, my eagles stuff and just kind of like... You know, I'm going to celebrate. I was wearing my Super Bowl hat from when they won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. And, you know, the snow comes, and, you know, we decide to go home early. And, you know, Tasha started to feel some pain uh, in, her, in her chest area. And we're just like, well, what's going on? And at first we just thought maybe uh, she was just having some, some stomach problems and things like that. And it's just kind of started to get worse, and then at about 2 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday, she woke me up and said she needed to go to the hospital. So it was a scary moment for me, for sure, in recognizing that we don't know what's wrong. She was having a hard time breathing. She was in extreme amounts of pain. But I just want to first and foremost say thank you for our church family. Thank you for those in this, in this church that really are family to us and that are willing to jump at, at a moment to, at two o'clock in the morning, get my wife to the hospital. And I remember from that moment on, I didn't sleep the rest of the night. I didn't sleep until the next night and I'm grateful to, to have friends that, that get my wife to the hospital and allow me to be with my boys. 
But I can remember that morning was not an easy day. As I sat and I sat and I sat and I waited and waited to hear what was going on. And it just got to the point where I was just like, it's just, uh, I guess a couple hours into it, she texted me and said that they found a large mass on in her spleen. And anytime you hear that, you're just like, oh, great. <laughs> what if it's cancer? And of course, that's the first thing that pops in your head. And, you know, they reassured us that, you know, it's a rare thing to have spleen cancer. But it's like, well, <laughs> even rare things happen. And as the morning began to just continue to unfold, my, my anxiety continued to build up and, you know, finally got to the point where they said, you know, it's, it's not cancer. But she does have a uh, cantaloupe-sized cyst inside of her spleen. It's 15 centimeters in diameter. So it's pressing against her lungs. It's pressing against some of her other organs. So... Uh, there's been some pain, there's been some difficulty in breathing, and this is how the week started out, you know, and I just remember thinking, man, <laughs> after everything that Tyler spoke last week and what God has put on my heart for, for this week, I was like, this is definitely a test. This is definitely something that we are, are going to go through together. Um, and she has her first doctor's appointment on Tuesday to begin the process to, to find out what the surgery is going to entail because she will have to have surgery to remove something. We don't know exactly what yet. We don't know the details uh, with that, but thank you for all of you that have been praying with us and partnering with us uh, through this as it's been an emotional week um, for us. And uh, on top of that, our, our middle child got sick and was coughing nonstop all night long and all through the day. And so, you know, having to take care of him on top of that, it's just, I'm like, man, the enemy really does not want me to be alert and awake for this morning. But again, thank you for your prayers because that's really what got us through this because I know that God has heard the prayers and is, is answering them. But... You know, it could have been easy at any of those moments to begin to get angry at God and begin to ask him, why is this happening? When we get into midst of that, that valley, we think that God is, is not present with us. And when we start to believe that God is not in the valleys, it's easy for us to fall into defeat. See, the Syrians had this idea, yeah, your God is up here. But he's not down here. So they went into this battle thinking that they had it because God is not there. And because they thought that God was not there, they ended up being defeated. And when we are going through the valleys of life, if we get to that place where we feel that there's, there's no hope, that God is not present, the more that we don't press into God and those things, thinking he's not there, the more likely we are to be, to be defeated in the midst of our valleys. When we don't have hope and we don't have, uh, think that God is there, it's a lot easier to give up. It's a lot easier to think, Hey, uh, if God, you're not with me, what's the point? And valleys can be very easy to 
to get to that place where we think maybe God is, is punishing us, that he's angry with us, or that he's just not paying attention to us. Have you ever felt that way? I've I felt that way. I felt that in the middle of valleys of my life and areas where I've struggled in moments of, of depression. God, why are you not here? God, what did I do? Why are you angry with me? God, why are you not listening to me? Are you even here? And when we turn away from God, or we blame God, or we get angry with God, or believe that He is not present in our circumstances, rather than than going to Him, we can easily lose hope and become defeated by those circumstances. Sometimes it's, it's so easy to turn against God in the midst of the valleys rather than turning to Him, because we have to have somebody to blame. And when we get to those places, it's hard to get out of that hole. It's hard to get out of that struggle. It's hard to get out of that valley. But God is not just a God of the mountains, but he is a God of the valleys too. Our God is with us in the worst of the worst of the worst situations that we can be in because he is not just in our hilltop moments. He is not just in the celebrations. He is in the tears. He is in the struggles. He is in the hurts. Psalm 34, 17 and 18 says this, When the righteous cry for help, The Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And I bolded near here because I want you guys to see that God doesn't come near. He is already near. That God has not left you and and waiting for you to to cry out in those things. He is already there waiting for you to cry out. He is near to you. He wants to save you when you are crushed in spirit. When your heart is broken and life is going bad, God is there with you. God is with you just as much in the valleys as he is in the mountains. God is there with you no matter where you go. There is no way that we can escape God. He is always present in our lives. Deuteronomy 31.6. Sorry, I'm going to be kind of going through several different scriptures today, but be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them For it is the Lord your God who, what, goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. So as as Joshua was was becoming the leader uh, of the nation of of Israel, as he was becoming the leader of of God's people, this is a message that that was given to him from God that, hey, I am with you. Do not be afraid of the army that I am sending you to battle. Do not be afraid of the situation that is before you. Do not be afraid of these circumstances because I have already gone before you. I am there with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I am here. 
Do you hear that, church? In the midst of your battles, in the midst of your struggles, in the midst of what you are about to go through in life, that God is with you and he will not leave you nor forsake you. So no matter what you are going through right now, no matter what struggles, no matter what pain, no matter what hurt, no matter what sickness, no matter any of those things, God is with you in the middle of that. My favorite verse in the Bible, Joshua 1.9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Within the passage from, from verses 1 to 9, it says that three times, to be strong, to be courageous. God is trying to tell Joshua something as he is coming into being the leader of this nation. He's saying, be strong, be courageous. And I want to tell you this morning, be strong, be courageous in the middle of your, your struggles, in the middle of your circumstances. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is what? With you wherever you go. Not just sometimes, not just when you go this way, not just when you go that way. He is with you wherever you go. This is the point of the whole message this morning right here, is that you cannot get away from God. He's like Urkel from Family Matters, right? You just can't get him away. He's always coming back. He's always there. Sorry, Tasha and I were just watching that this week, and it was just, we're like, oh, Family Matters. I haven't watched that in a really long time. But he does not leave us in the midst of our struggles. He does not leave us even when we don't feel him there. He does not leave us in those, those things that are trying to tear us down. Even when the enemy or the world says, where is your God? He's like, I'm right here. I'm right beside you. I haven't gone anywhere. And I'm not going to. Like I said, he has not left us even when we don't feel him. He has not left us when the whole world is crashing down on us. Sometimes we can feel like that. As, as one thing after another begins to happen, that the world begins to feel like it's crashing down and we are alone in the midst of all of the, the chaos, in the midst of the, the struggles of our life, we can feel completely alone as everything begins to collapse and we begin to feel like our breath is being taken away as there's nothing left but rubble and ruin around us. God is there. God is with you in the midst of the rubble. God is with you in the midst of the ruin. Like I said, God is always there. Always. So we can always be strong and courageous in the midst of struggle because God is with us. And this does not mean that we can't have moments of weakness. But in the midst of those those moments of weakness that God gives us strength and courage to face the valleys. 
Because even when we are weak, we can recognize that God is strong, that God is bigger than anything that we can go through. God is bigger than that struggle. God is bigger than that sickness. God is bigger than that sin. God is bigger than all of those things. So he encourages, be strong, be courageous, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, because I am with you. You know, we, we read about Ahab in the beginning, but let's read about another king too, in David. David, we know, was a man after God's own heart, and David went through a lot of hills and valleys in his life. Even to the point where he was running for his life, he was hiding in caves and never knowing if the next day was going to bring him death, never knowing if he was going to have water, never knowing if he was going to have food. But yet God anointed him as king, that he was supposed to be the next king. But I love this passage in Psalm 139. And I really want to focus on, on this part today. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. David starts, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. This is where I really want you guys to hear this. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me, uh, about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness as light is as light with you. That does not sound like a God that goes anywhere. That sounds like a God that will be with you in the worst and the best parts of your life. That sounds like a God that will be with you when you are with him or when you are not with him. God is always there for you. And I love how eloquently it's put here is that where can I go to be away from your presence? There's nowhere. There is nowhere that I can go where you are not there. If I get on the wings of eagles and I fly high, high into the sky, you are there. You're there in the mountains. Or if I go to the depths of the sea, you are there. Man. Powerful to know that there is a God that is the God of the universe that created all things, but yet is with us and cares about us that much to know about the things that we are going through, about the things that we are struggling with, and he intimately cares about you. 
We serve an omnipresent God that can be with us both in the hills and the valleys. He can be with us no matter where we go. He is always there. So God knows you, the things that you are going through, and there is no place where you can go where he is not. God knows your circumstances. If God knows the words that you're going to speak before you speak them, if God knows the thought that you are thinking before you even thought it, then God knows the situations that you are about to go through. God knows the situations that you are going through, and he will not leave you there. And what I mean by that is not that he's immediately going to take you out, but he's going to stay there with you until you get through it. Sometimes we just begin to ask God, hey, I need you to take this situation away. And he goes, no, I'm just going to hang out with you here. Maybe it's not time to get out of that, but I'm going to hang out with you here. God knows when you are hurting and beat down. God sees your situation. He sees how hard things are in your life. I even think back to the, the story of Lazarus and just the way that Jesus wept. Jesus wept at the loss of Lazarus because he knew the pain that Mary and Martha were experiencing. It says he was moved by their sorrow and their pain. So much so that he was brought to tears, even knowing that in a few minutes he was going to call Lazarus forth back to life and there would be much rejoicing. Jesus cares about what you're going through. He is there and he understands and he, he deeply is moved by the things that we go through in life. God knows what's going on inside of you, whether anybody else does or not. Whether you've ever asked for prayer, whether you've ever come for prayer, whether you've ever shared it for somebody, God knows it. God sees your tears and hears your cries. When you are alone and you are crying because of what's going on, God sees that. God hears that. God is with you through everything that you will experience in this life. We just need to reach out to him. God is there through everything that you will go through. God has been there through everything that you've gone through. 1 Peter 5, starting in verse 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Cast all of your worries, cast all of your anxieties, cast all of the, the worries and the struggles on God because he what? He cares for you. God cares so, so deeply for you. Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. 
Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Our God is a very present help. He is very present in what you are going through. Did you guys get it this morning? Are you guys getting this? Are these verses helping you to understand that no matter what is happening, God is with you and he is a very present God in your life. And God is our greatest hope and protector. This is my last point. He is our greatest hope and protector in the valleys of life. God truly and deeply not only loves you, but he cares about you. God is willing and ready to carry our burdens, worries, anxieties, and cares. God wants to bring us through and out of the valleys. You guys catch that? Bring us through them, not immediately take us out. God is going through them with us. God is walking through all of those troubles, walking through all of those things with you. And in those moments that that you can't stand, in those moments that feel too hard, He is there with you. God wants to bring healing even in the middle of those valleys. God wants to bring peace even in the midst of those valleys. And we can have peace when we put our trust in Jesus, no matter how bad the circumstances are. Never forget that even while the world is collapsing around you, God is very present. And we always have the ability to take refuge in God, no matter how dark things are around us. And that is our hope. That is our hope that we can put our our lives into God's hands knowing that he is our refuge, he is our strength, and he is our protector. That's where we can find hope. And those in the world that don't believe in Jesus don't have that hope. But we do. I want to invite the band to to come back up as I close out with this scripture and a couple things I want you to think about. Ephesians 2, starting in 12, says, Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. So that before we knew who Jesus was, we were far off. But when we became or when we got into that relationship with Jesus, acknowledging him as our savior, as the blood that he has spilled has brought us near to him. Jesus is in our lives. Jesus is present. Jesus has saved us before and he can save us again. At one point, we were far off from God with no hope. But because of Jesus' sacrifice, we are near to God. 
And God wanted to be so close to you that Jesus went through an immense amount of pain and agony to close the, any gap between you and him. Closing any doubt that he wants to be with you. So if you think in your life that you are too far gone, that you have done too much, that you are in too deep of a valley for God to reach you, that's not true. Jesus' blood was spilt. He went through that amount of pain and suffering so that way we could recognize that that's how much God wants to be with you. I will go through all of these things. I will go through all my mocking. I will go through all of my scourging. I will go through the carrying of the cross. I will go through the nails in my hand. I will go through the suffocation. I will go unto death. I will go to the, the, the pits of hell to show you how much I love you and how much I care for you and I want to close any separation between you and me. That's how close God wants to be to you. So never doubt in the middle of your valleys that God is not with you because he went through everything to show you that that's not true. So in the midst of the, the hills and the valleys of our life, we can always have hope. So this morning as this last song is playing, if you are in the middle of a valley and you are struggling, it's time to bring it before God. We want to challenge you to, to come forward in this time of prayer. And we want to pray for you because you have been struggling for too long in your valleys. And God's saying, it's time to come out. It's time for me to show you that I am there with you. And we want to join you in praying together for you. So if you feel... The Holy Spirit is pulling on you to come forward for prayer. Please don't hesitate. Nobody in this room is judging you. God is just saying, hey, I want to be here with you. I want to show you, and we want to pray for you to help you through whatever you are going through. So let me go ahead and pray, and then the band will begin to play. So Father God, I just want to thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you are a God that loves us that cares for us so much that you are willing to go through everything just to say that you don't want any separation from us. So God, I, I thank you for, for who you are. I thank you that you are, are not just a God of the good times in our lives, but you are a God that, that's, that is with us in the midst of our circumstances, our struggles, our pain, our sicknesses, our hurt, our emotional emotional times, God, I just pray that you would give us strength or that you would give us courage in the middle of those and that we would not fall into fear or dismay because you are with us. God, I pray that you would let us leave encouraged. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.